Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. We sit here today in an America I'm not sure I recognize. The federal government tear-gassed peaceful protesters last night so that the president could do a photo opportunity with a Bible. We are in strange times. It's This Week in the CLE, the news podcast from The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. I'm Chris Quinn here with my colleagues Chris Marnowski, Laura Johnston, and Jane Cahoon. Could you believe what we saw out of Washington last night? Uh <laughs> yeah. It was surreal. I'll say that. Just absolutely surreal. I, I just didn't think that could happen in this country. I mean, there was no violence whatsoever. It was peaceful, hands in the air, and the federal government under the president's auspices tear gassed them to clear him out of the way so he could do a photo op with a Bible because he was embarrassed about being painted as a guy hiding in a bunker during Friday night's protests. It's staggering. It's just staggering. As somebody, I've, I've seen this sort of taking some traction on social media, but people are starting to call it the American Spring. And that is, I mean, talk about a line to cross in this country. It's, it's terrifying. Somebody said last night, this is the closest America's ever come to a dictatorship. And man, the imagery of it, it's just frightening. So anyway, we're here to talk about Cleveland. So let's get started. Can people go to work in downtown Cleveland during the curfew following the weekend riot? There was some confusion yesterday. There were people who thought they could come to work, but when they got to the city border, the police were turning them away. Uh, It turns out there was some confusion built into the city order, and this has all now been clarified. Laura Johnston, what is the rule? Uh, You cannot come down to downtown unless you live in downtown or that you're an essential worker or a credentialed journalist. And yeah, people were really confused Monday morning. It caused all sorts of traffic headaches because the ramps to I-90 were closed. It's the way the city's civil emergency proclamation was worded that they thought they could go downtown to work during regular business hours. Turns out they meant only those residents and they want all businesses within the zone to be closed. I had some communication with the city yesterday uh, on behalf of journalists because there was some confusion with them trying to get it cleared up. Um, and and I do understand what happened. I mean, it's the 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 city did not intend for people to work downtown. Somehow it got written into the order that if a business was open, you could work downtown, although that wasn't their intention. Uh, somehow um, uh, on Sunday a police official got it into their head that journalists were covered by the curfew and were telling journalists all over Cleveland, not us, but most that they couldn't work downtown. And I knew that wasn't the case. That's not the way Frank Jackson operates. He's not going to squelch the first amendment. And because we have a line of communication, we were able to, to get through on that. I, you know, they're under, they're in a crisis mode trying to stop more violence and damage to downtown so it's not surprising there'd be miscommunication. But it sounds like, Laura, thousands of people were inconvenienced yesterday morning. 
Yeah. And, you know, you think there, how many people were really coming downtown to work with the coronavirus, but enough that we had a big traffic problem. And they sent out an alert saying that there's a parking ban, that you should avoid the area. You know, they had the National Guard out with the armored vehicles um, at a lot of intersections. Now, those National Guardsmen cannot check your ID or enforce anything, but they were standing there with the police who were in their yellow vests. Um, so that runs until 8 p.m. tonight. We'll have to see if they extend it any longer. But they did shrink the area from East 30th to East 18th Street. So at least you can get on and off the highway in a couple of spots like, you know, Chester or Superior. It's becoming clear, I think, that there's been two phases of this unrest in Cleveland, that there was everything that happened Saturday up until eight o'clock where the police seemed completely outmanned. They just didn't have the people on duty to deal with this. They didn't seem to have the intelligence about what was going to happen and mayhem occurred. And then at eight o'clock Saturday, when they started to lock it all down, they've been much, much more proactive in getting to places where they think there might be problems. I mean, we had a couple of our staffers come across the National Guard setting up a, a presence in Shaker Square last night. I mean, it's even getting outside of Cleveland. I mean, the whole town of Chagrin Falls is boarded up. Those people are going <laughs> crazy because some high school kid momentarily scheduled a protest and then canceled it. It's like 80% of the windows are boarded. The Apple store at the Eaton Collection is boarded up. It's crazy. But it seems like Cleveland is just intent on not having a repeat of this. And they are bouncing around all over. And Chris Warnowski, you mentioned what happens when you lift the restrictions. I mean, right now they've got it bottled up, but how do you transition to the point where, you know, you people are allowed back downtown? That has to happen at some point, right? Right. And, you know, I mean, say nothing for the fact that this looks like martial law. I mean, it's 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 a really stunning thing to wake up and walk out my door and see like concrete barricades on side streets and a large police presence on a bridge that half the city uses to get to work and national guard Humvees going up and down the street. I mean, it's really, is it that, that, is it that visible? I mean, you got Humvees going up and down the street. Right. I mean, look, they had Humvees up by the, uh, by, I think over by the, um, the West side market. And they, they were down here for a little bit yesterday and, I mean, look, man, cops, Cleveland cops are using my lobby bathroom. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, and they're not wearing masks, by the way. And it's really, it's, I mean, it's just really, it's, there's something very sinister about it. You know, I mean, look, we're, you know, we're a quote unquote free country. And, you know, not being able to go to the center of our city is at some point, you know, I mean, I understand the notion of safety, but, it's our right. Yeah. Like it's our, uh, we have, no, you're going, you're going too far. I mean, I, in the, when they had the Huff riots, they had the Glenville riots, they bottle it up. You've got to, well, you've got to get control of your no, city. I, no, no. I, I'm not hats. saying that, that that is not the case. I'm just saying it, it feels weird to not be able to just go and, and work and walk around the city that we live in. I mean, they're checking IDs and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's very not American. We've had, but we've had previous examples of this. When the RNC was here, um, they put up gigantic chain link fences that locked up a lot of downtown. None of you, or Jane, you've been around long enough to remember this, but I was actually there back in whatever it was, 2000, 1999. The KKK staged a rally in front of the Justice Center 
and police surrounded downtown with with chain link fence and all sorts of vehicles and nobody could go through the fence without going through metal detectors and getting checked. And in other times of distress, downtown has been bottled up to protect it. Um, This was the worst violence I think we've seen in downtown Cleveland probably in 50 years since the Glenville and Huff rights, which were not downtown. And this is, you know, has there ever been, the the damage that was done along Euclid and Ninth and at the Justice Center. I mean, it's millions of dollars of damage. So I get why they're doing it. I just get back to what you pointed out before we started talking. What happens after you transition? I mean, once you take away the Humvees and the concrete barriers, how do you stop the next riot? Because there's a thought that we're going to have a summer of this. I mean, I don't know. I mean, has anybody has anybody said that? with any sort of, I mean, do they know this for a fact that if they open up, it's going to get bad again? I mean, no, 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 no. Nobody knows. You can't predict it, but the unrest seems people are, are, you know, there's unrest in the, in the streets. It's a presidential election year. The, the president, you know, called the told the governors yesterday, they look like jerks for their leniency. He's calling for the use of the army to suppress the protests. I mean, this is not looking like it's coming to a peaceful end anytime soon. Yeah. I, it's, it, it, it's, I, I guess if there is a silver lining and, and this is a stretch, I will admit that, you know, it, what we've experienced in, in the aftermath of what happened Saturday has not been, we have not experienced what is happening in a lot of other cities, which is, you know, if you look on the news, if you've looked on social media, I mean, the the police the the way that police are behaving in other cities is is very scary and right they're and, attacking and, and, the and, residents and they're the attacking residents and they are targeting journalists and it's becoming it's it's all it, it's stuff it's stuff that happens at a lot of these things but when they happen kind of piecemeal around the country one at a time it's difficult for some people to sort of understand the gravity of it when it happens all at once like this it's it's really it's really kind of frightening. Well, I guess that put you know we had we went through hell five years ago. I mean, the shooting of Tamir Rice is like the darkest day in the history of Cleveland. I mean, our our government killed the twelve year old. It's just something that I still cannot believe happened. And the police department went through the consent decree and a serious soul searching. And maybe because of that, we're in a better place. Because you're right, the police. I mean, they did the opposite, man. They were not even present. They didn't target people. Um, there is, you know, Frank Jackson has has now added to his order the exclusion from the curfew for journalists because they aren't targeting journalists. That's not the kind of city we live in. It but is think, frightening what we're but seeing I think elsewhere. I think it's incumbent on mayors to call this out when they see it, though, because, you know, what what you're what you're seeing here, I think, is you have a lot of growing power in police unions. Like they have a very strong voice and you have a lot of cities that, that really, you know, the mayors come out and go, well, we don't like this, but then they don't use the council and and their, their power as government officials to do anything. I mean, yesterday the city of Louisville fired their police chief because the police shot somebody and they had all their body cameras turned off. Right. And, and that's well, the but, kind but, of leadership that's actually, that you, but that, that flies in the face of what you just said. That was a mayor actually doing something. Right. I'm right. not sure. I, I, I think I think the mayors are are speaking up. I mean, 
Um, well, we'll have to see how it goes. But uh, I mean, in Cleveland, we're the outlier because it's it's been the opposite. There's been no we haven't had an example of the police doing something that we would consider onerous. It actually almost the opposite. We got to move on. It's this okay. week in the CLE. Cleveland Police Chief Calvin Williams keeps saying out-of-towners committed the violence during Saturday's riots. So how many of the 99 people are arrested or from out of town? This, this question I'm going to acknowledge is a little bit disingenuous because there is a thought that the people who instigated the violence were pretty skilled at evading capture. But the numbers, Chris Wernowski, don't back up so far what the police chief is saying. Right. So Adam Faris got some, did a really good job of ferreting this out yesterday. So as of yesterday, so that number, this number may have changed by now, but 99 people were arrested from, and I think 15 of them were from outside Cuyahoga County. Some of them came from uh, such far-flung exotic locations as Menor, Illyria, uh, Copley, Macedonia, Ashtabula, Oberlin, Kent, Stowe, Cuyahoga Falls, but the bulk of the arrests were people from Cleveland and our county. Right, you know, uh, City Councilman Mike Polensic called me yesterday. I go way back with him. I covered him two decades ago. And he was really troubled because he was downtown Saturday. And he said that as the protesters, the peaceful protesters, headed to the Justice Center, he, he was ahead of them. And he noticed people that were not with that group of people coming up the hill from uh, West Third and from uh, the Flats Warehouse District area um, in, in military boots with heavily laden backpacks. And he said, these guys who were largely white men were the instigators and that they lined up behind the peaceful protesters as if they were trying to draw fire that way. Uh, and he's pretty upset about it because he thinks he, he said once the violence started, lots of people participated, including uh, a diverse crowd from the city of Cleveland. But the spark for this was these white guys that were not part of the peaceful protest who seemed to be intent on getting this to kick off, which gives credence to what Calvin Williams said. But how do you prove it? I mean, how do you how do you show that there was an organized group of people that came in to provoke the mayhem? Well, I mean, part of how you you prove it is you go back in time and you take this, you know, rising threat of 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 this issue seriously. But in the absence of that, I think it's going to take it's going to take a lot of law enforcement resources. You know, I mean, they have cameras and they have, you know, you know, I, I mean, I hope they have surveillance around the jail and stuff. So but everybody's in a mask. Everybody's yeah. wearing a mask. I mean, yeah. I when we had a story. We talked about this. I mean, it's very hard to identify people in masks. I, I don't know. I, I mean, so far, the people arrested don't back up what Calvin Williams said. It was largely Clevelanders who've been arrested. Although you did, you, you, uh, you did talk about um, yesterday, nobody's been charged with inciting a riot yet. It's all been lesser kind of stuff, right? Yeah, it's all, you know, property, trespass. It's, it's that kind of stuff. You know, there, there hasn't been any, anybody who they have singled out as, as, as an instigator. These are, you know, I think, you know, part of, part of what happens in this is, you know, they grab who they can, you know, they, they arrest who they can. And so if you, if you look at their response, it it was kind of scrambled and they were, you know, pushing people off the stairs there. And then every, you know, when, when everybody sort of started going through the city and, and when the, the quote unquote looting started, 
they, you know, they mean, started arresting. Unquote, well, I mean, there was actual looting, there, but I mean, there was, like, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, man. Yeah, that was looting. That was, right. But they, uh, but those are the people that were getting arrested. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean they aren't, you know, I, I, I just like, th- those are the people that they could get at the time. There's no, there's no law enforcement intelligence involved. Right, but in they're the ones, arrest. but they arrested people in the act of doing bad things. So, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not like they just randomly picked people off the street. They grabbed the people that they saw committing crimes. What, what, but if, if instigators came in and they're, I don't want to use the word professional, but they, they have strategies to, to light the match and run, it's going to be tough to, to track them down and to back up Calvin Williams claim that this was the work of outside instigators. Well, that's going to require, because I mean, these, these things live online. And, and so what it's going to require is, is a infiltration by law enforcement of if there are groups of these groups and, and it's going to have to come from that, or it's going to have to come from source like law enforcement sources or something else. Well, we're going to look into it, too. You're listening to This Week in the CLE. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine took a rare step and disagreed with President Donald Trump's reaction to the George Floyd killing by a Minneapolis cop. But what did DeWine have to say Monday after a phone call with the president in which the president called the governors a bunch of jerks for the way they're there or said they look like a bunch of jerks for the way they're dealing with unrest in their states? Jane Cahoon? Well, he had absolutely nothing to say as of this moment. Maybe maybe we'll hear more about this during the governor's coronavirus briefing today, but he wouldn't go there. You know, as you said, last week, he he took the rare step of publicly disagreeing with Trump over Trump's tweet that said, you know, when the looting begins, the shooting begins. He said, that's, you know, our job is to bring people together. And DeWine has made it very clear he supports peaceful protests. So you got to believe he is not comfortable with this rhetoric. And to be there on a call with other governors being told you're weak and you need to throw people in jail for 10 years and you need to dominate them on the street. I I mean, you just I just can't believe that 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 wouldn't rub in the wrong way. But for now, he's. He would not comment when we asked him about it. Yeah, we need to press him because he needs to speak up. He was on the call. He's our guy on the call. The president mm-hmm. said about as offensive a thing as you can say, you know, and followed it up by tear gassing peaceful, peaceful protesters so he could do a photo op. I mean, Mike DeWine has been a very strong leader throughout this. And you saw some other governors, including a Republican really be offended by what the governor said or by what the president said, we kind of, Mike DeWine, we need him to speak up. He's our representative. So I hope at the briefing today, the pressure is on for him to, to clearly separate himself from the philosophy of the president, which is, you know, creating a military style showdown. So we'll have to see. It's this week in the CLE. How much more difficult is the job for detectives investigating Saturday's riots when almost everyone who was downtown is wearing a mask? This is going to be really hard. This is Laura Johnston. It's hard to identify people on surveillance video anyway. It's grainy. It's not great quality. It could be far away. But with a mask covering half their face, it's going to be next to impossible. A law instructor at Case Western Reserve University 
told Jane Maurice, if you're not arrested during the event, you're probably not going to get arrested at all. So, and if any of you did and you took it to court, there's so much reasonable doubt there. So this is tough. Yeah, I just, I, you know, in the pictures, John Kuntz is a photographer. John Kuntz has great photos from the riot day. He was right there as one guy was heaving a boulder through the windows. You could see him fully, but there's no way you can identify him because he, because of the mask. And as I looked at all of the pictures of that day, I'm thinking, how would a jury ever say beyond a reasonable doubt? Yeah, that's, that's the person. So how do you, how do you convict anybody after the fact? Yeah, no, it's very difficult. And it's really interesting. I mean, that was one of the first things I think we talked about on Saturday. You said they're almost all wearing masks. And, you know, we've had this discussion on the podcast that you go to a grocery store and there's only half the people wearing masks. So at this big outdoor protest that turns volatile, the fact that everyone's wearing a mask is very, it's just very interesting. And organizers and officials have been telling people to wear masks to protest all along, even when, you know, you had the uh, protest at the Capitol over the coronavirus restrictions. They were saying, if you're going to demonstrate, fine, wear a mask, socially distance. We don't want you getting the coronavirus. So that was the instruction, but then it has this kind of detrimental side of it if you're trying to find who created damage. Well, there was... There was no social distancing going on at that at that protest, but the the near universal mask wearing, it's going to be very interesting to see if we see a spike in coronavirus cases or if the masks really did do the job of of keeping it to a minimum, because it was stunning the the percentage of people that wore masks. So this week in the CLE. Cleveland Police Chief Calvin Williams was ever present during demonstrations involving the police killing of Tamir Rice five years ago, the Republican National Convention four years ago. So why was he invisible during Saturday's riot in downtown Cleveland? Chris Warnowski, this seems like it was so out of character with all that Cleveland police had done right in previous demonstrations. Where was he? Well, um, we don't really know. <laughs> they haven't. They, he hasn't talked to us yet. Uh, and hopefully he'll take some time to maybe talk to somebody today. But, um, yeah, we don't know. And, and you know, this this idea for this story that Adam uh, – or I'm sorry, it was Adam that did this story, right? Adam, Adam for <laughs> my, my brain is mush. Oh, I forgive, it was Evan. Please forgive me. It was Evan that did the story. It was Evan that did it. It was Evan McDonald. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, God. Um, but this idea sort of came from the notion that, like, you know, a lot of us have, this is, we've been through a few of these here and sadly, and, and, and we also had the Republican national convention here. And so, you know, this was sort of partially designed to sort of take a look at and compare the response between this. And and what was so telling is some of the early protests that we had, the, the, the police brutality protests that we had, Calvin Williams was out there and, you know, I mean, we had we we covered this at the time. You know, he was out there. He was talking to Tamir Rice's brother, and you know, during the Republican National Convention, he was riding around with the bikes. You know, the bike squad that was actually present at, th- at this weekend's thing. And 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 I think you know, you look around the country and and you see these other police chiefs who who did what they could to try to de-escalate stuff. And you know, and and it's unfortunate. You know, when people people point that out, you know, people also go, well, you know, his department also covered up this, 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 and this, and this, but, but, you know, it, it's what happened in these initial protests. It, 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 we had, we had an instance where a bunch of people wanted to close the shoreway 
And Williams in the police department said, let him do it. And no, 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 it, no. It was even better than that. He got up on the shoreway, on the bridge, and said to people, he talked to them and said, yeah. look, I know you think we're here to arrest you. We're not. You're, you're, we're, we're here to protect you. You can stay as long as you want. And when you're ready to go, we'll help you get out. Commuters were furious because they couldn't get home. I, he, look, after the RNC, there was talk about him moving into a much bigger police job in the country, L.A. or Chicago. I mean, he was kind of the media darling because of how ever present he was. So that's why it was so striking that the first time we saw him wasn't even Saturday, right? It was after midnight. It was yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah, it was the the early morning press conference that he and the mayor and the the gentleman from the National Guard did to to talk about you know what had happened and and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it would have made a difference. It, it, it's it's hard to say. You know, it, it's we say like, oh, there wasn't a huge police presence. I mean, in some instances, that hasn't been a good thing. And, and in no, some, but, no, but, but I get it. I, it's, it's, it, there, there, there could have been a way maybe to sort of calm this a little bit. I, I, but again, it's, that's, we're speculating on something that we'll never know. And, but and, he also, but he does have credibility in Cleveland because of what has happened here. And so the chances are that if he had come out to talk to people, it would have meant something, maybe not to the instigators that were looking to create violence. It just, it just seemed, look, it's just odd because up, up until now, that's not the way he operated. So it's worth doing a story to point out something has, has changed. And we have not heard much from him at all about the city's response. Really, what we're getting is mainly from the mayor. And in, in the past, it's been the chief. Anyway, it's this week in the CLE. Why do Ohio State University student government groups want the university to cut off its ties with the Columbus Police Department? You know, we've talked about how the Cleveland Police Department has gotten much better trained and has a better relationship with the people. I've been looking at what the Columbus Police Department does for years, thinking those guys, they're like jackboot thugs, man. They're the ones that sprayed pepper spray on our photographer and wantonly sprayed students. It seems like they're a bit out of control. And Jane Cahoon? The student groups at Ohio State University clearly think so. Right. And you mentioned that incident a few years ago. That was when they were celebrating a national football championship, not, you know, protesting. But anyway, the presidents of these student groups at OSU have written a letter to OSU leaders saying, please cut ties with the Columbus Police Department. They, they're just too militaristic. They they took violent and inexcusable actions during these protests, you know, tear gassing people and and firing wooden bullets and so forth. So they they want, you know, cut these mutual aid packs, these service agreements that they have with the Columbus police. They they want that to end. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that the Columbus Police Department hasn't had to go through a consent decree. I mean, not nobody is under the Trump administration because he doesn't believe in them, but but it's just there's repeated acts where where they go so far over the top. I, you remember the video. They were walking up and down the street after that that championship, spraying the pepper spray above the heads of all the students. I mean, that's not the way you're supposed to use pepper spray. Right. You know, it's not like Lysol where you're disinfecting right. the room. Right. I think John Kuntz got a direct hit, our photographer. You know, and here's a guy who's clearly he's got all these cameras and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just out of control police department. So it's 
It's good to see them getting some attention for not being good police. There was a, this is Chris Warnowski. There was a, a picture that surfaced after they cleared the streets the other night where the entire like riot squad that was out there and their horses, they all posed for a big photograph. And somebody took a picture from up high and you can see the whole vantage of it. So it's like, God, yeah. That's a terrible message. That's just right. a terrible message. Right. I mean, that is like an occupying message is, and, and it, it just like how disappointing, like how thoroughly disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. If you lived in Columbus, you should move to Cleveland where the police have a greater sensitivity. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. That's uh that does it. That's uh this week in the CLE. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This Week in the CLE will return tomorrow. 